This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, 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 greetings. So I'm joined now by our brother, Minister Zumbi Shawala. Um, he's the founder of the Liberty Hall Media Group, the author of GOAT, the Gospel Afronomics Theology, and he's presently developing a goal-setting program entitled MVP Goals. Brother Minister has built a following through an online radio show called From Mind to Market uh, from 2007 to 2012 on LIB Radio. That's libradio.com. He now serves as a board member on the newly formed Nat Turner Library Foundation. As a business and financial thought leader, Brother Minister's philosophy is that for people to become fiscally responsible for their lives, they must be empowered personally with the proper tools, value systems, and mindset to solve their financial problems. He also believes in transformation as opposed to reformation on a personal and professional level. So as to achieve something never achieved, a person has to become something he or she has never been before. In his role as an Afro-nomicist and Afro-futurist, Brother Minister addresses the economic issues of the urban and hip-hop communities, as well as the African world community from an empowerment position. He feels that these communities have the right and obligation to empower and enrich themselves to fulfill their economic destinies through micro-enterprise, entrepreneurship, and community angel investing. Brother Minister is presently a doctoral candidate for metaphysical studies at the University of Metaphysics in Sedona, Arizona. He's a 2004 graduate of Sage College of Albany in Albany, New York, with a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies. He also received a bachelor's degree in metaphysical science in April 2012 from the University of Metaphysics, where he received his ordinance as a minister of metaphysical science. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? What would you like to be called? Uh, Brother Minister is good. Brother Minister. Okay. Yes. I've seen those two kind of side by side like that, but I'm happy to honor your wishes. And I really appreciate you being here. Um, Let's get into this gospel of Afronomics theology. Um, I'm especially curious about what it means to be an Afronomicist. Okay. When, When we study economics, we tend to study economics in a vacuum and not from an African-centered paradigm. Uh, you know, I've noticed a lot of my contemporaries and peers, they've read Think and Grow Rich, they've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, etc. But there's been very few books that have really addressed our economic issues from an African-centered perspective. So I decided to take on that challenge I decided to study our predecessors who did take on that challenge. And so, so far, I've heard you articulate about the primary challenge around um, a lot of the uh, most kind of popular works in the economic space, how they don't really address the very unique um, predicament where we find ourselves as people of African descent. Yes. Yeah, so so when I decided to write GOAT, um, it took me three years to write, but I pulled on the last 22 years of my personal experience in business uh, as a consultant slash coach and as a researcher to find out what do we need now in 
particularly now being in a post-pandemic climate, um, there are issues that we need to be clear about. Uh, I've always said, if you are black in America, you should already be entrepreneurial minded, um, not necessarily entrepreneurial. And what this pandemic has shown us is we need to ensure that we have multiple streams of income and those streams are not only recession proof, but pandemic proof as well, because job security has become the biggest lie in in our society today. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, I am a practitioner in that regard, um, working in the space to empower our community to improve upon that entrepreneurial inclination, right? By, by really understanding um, the mechanisms in place, the resources available so that they can grow and scale their businesses. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, so MVP goals, I assume that this is goal setting around entrepreneurship as well? Uh, yes, actually it can be applied to any facet of your life, professionally or personally. Uh, what MVP stands for, is mission, vision, and purpose. Uh, my theory is the reason why people succeed or fail in achieving and accomplishing their respective goals is that they do not have a clearly defined mission, vision, and purpose for their lives, professionally as well as personally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so critical. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know... It's interesting, right? These are these are basic concepts. Um, yet, if we don't adhere to them, it's almost like a guaranteed calamity. I want to ask you this question: How important is it for the Black community writ large to have a unified understanding of these concepts? In other words, is it enough? for individuals to have goals, or is there a point at which for our community, there has to be kind of a, a coming together? Is there a need for a centralized leadership and organization in that regard? Or is it enough for individuals to understand the value of mission, vision, purpose? Mm. I, I think it's more of a both and as opposed to an either or. Okay. Uh, let's use China as an example. Uh, Mao Zedong came to power in 1949. And once he came to power, there was a thing called the 100-year plan, where by the year 2049, China already had an idea or had a vision of where it wanted to be as being a global uh, superpower. And one of those things that they focused on was uh, being an agricultural power. Now, if we were to take that blueprint and place it on African people, let's say African people in the US, we have to begin to shift how we look at leadership. Uh, in the past, it was based on what I call a messianic, uh, charismatic individual, kind of like the one. And what usually happens is once that individual is removed, then the movement itself uh, falls apart, i.e., Marcus Garvey, when he was deported back to Jamaica, 
the UNIA basically fell apart because that charisma and having that messianic leader dealing with the day-to-day operations was no longer there. One of the things that I do recommend is to go from having a people-oriented type of leadership to a system-oriented type of leadership, where no matter what happens to the individual, the system is there to where someone can step in and continue uh, keeping the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I asked that question. It's, it's kind of a catch-22 um, because there is such a diversity of perspective within the Black community. Um, it's almost like, well, along what lines will we unify, right? Are we going to unify mm-hmm. along the lines of race? Well, if so, are we even all in agreement about what we want to be called, right? Because we know there's diversity there. Okay, well, maybe we can't unify along those lines. Are we going to unify along the lines of some sort of shared spirituality. I doubt that could be accomplished either, right? So I just wonder if we're really going to come together under some kind of common banner or leadership or whatever, you know, how realistically could that be accomplished, especially given, you know, the examples that that you shared, right? And, And how easy it is for us to become kind of enamored by personality and you know, even think about the, the various religious leaders of today um, and, and the way in which they lead and, and, and so forth. It's just, an, it's a fascinating conversation for sure. Sure. And, and one of the things, um, and I was talking with a friend about this last week, I, I think there's also, when, when you wanna talk about unification, I always try to look at unification along what are the common basic needs of the people. Uh, I, have a, I have seven questions that I say that for any black person who seeks to run for office, local, county, state, or federal, uh, you as the potential voter should ask these individuals seven basic questions, okay? Number one, how will African people be fed? Number two, how will African people be clothed? Number three, how will African people be sheltered? Four, how will African people be educated? Five, how will African people be employed? Six, how will African people be protected? And then seven, how will African people gain access to affordable quality health care? And that should be able to cut across, you know, all schools of thought, all political, religious, fraternal, civic ideologies. So I think if we boil it down to what are our basic human needs, then I think we're able to create a plebiscite where when you come through the buffet line, there's something in that buffet that you want to eat. Right, right. I mean, and it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> when we focus on, on needs being met, right? Has Maslow, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that should create enough common interests for people to come together. Um, it should. Um, but, you know, I'm certain you have seen and you understand that there's some definite healing that kind of needs to take place um, in order to ensure that we're even willing to work together. Um, 
various levels of negative impact brought on by, uh, you know, conditions that we've experienced that continue to play out, you know, when we, we when we try to put together working relationships. Um, right. And so, eh, I'm open. <laughs> I'm here for the work. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and then there's also another thing that I talk about in my book. Um, I've, also, I've always said that when you look at any ethnic group, its economic philosophy is always rooted in a nucleus of culture, history, and spirituality. Okay, and I think that's another thing as African people that we need to look at. Culture is the, I, I guess you would say, it's the, the mortar that puts the bricks together. And, you know, like I said at the top of the conversation, culture is something that really needs to be emphasized, okay? How do African people view things? Do we view things through our own eyes? Or are we using someone else's set of glasses to look at things? Okay. So, so I think we have to begin to ask ourselves, are we looking at things through our own two eyes? And are we consistently doing things that are in our highest and greatest good, where we're not making inappropriate decisions individually as well as collectively? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, and I, and I, I look forward to a time where um, we are not our own worst enemy. You know, I, I, I understand full well our potential um, and, and, and even our, our capacity. No doubt we are, we are brilliant, you know, and I don't even say that from the vantage point of believing that somehow we're super brilliant because we're melanated. I don't subscribe to that necessarily, right? <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> but, you know, suffice it to say, like, even if we were just regular brilliant, we would still be brilliant, brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. I look forward to the fullest manifestation of that. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that our greatest capital is our, is our relational capital. You know, people do business with those that they, um, that they know, like, and trust, you know? Right. Um, and so we want to, in my head, we want to focus on that economy, which is, um, you know, really right. creating something worth selling and then doing right by those that we're in business relationships with. And hmm. that will take care of so many things, right? Oh, sure. In, in fact, one of the things that I've been an advocate on, I've really been studying this probably for the past 20 years, um, for African people, if you really want to get into an industry which has little to no barrier of entry but unlimited uh, revenue potential, is information marketing or what we now call infopreneurship. Okay. Everybody is an expert in something. Okay. The question now becomes how do you organize that information, package it, systematize it, and then finally monetize it? 
Okay. And, and it, I especially recommend it for those who are in service-oriented type businesses, whether you're a consultant, a coach, if you're a real estate agent, you're in the financial services, because right now information is really an emerging economy. And specifically in certain uh, topics, areas, whether it's self-help, business, health and wellness, spirituality. So figure out how to take what you already know and convert it into a product or product line or a product and service line. Because like you said, we have brilliance. We just, we just don't have the know-how to put that information together and make it to where it works for us. So for example, my book, I consider that my first info product. And from that book, I'm working on developing an online course and you know other ancillary products that comes out of it. So if people can at least write a book, you know, because the belief is everyone has at least one book inside of them. Sure. That one book can lead to other uh, income earning opportunities. Yep, I agree. Where can we get more information about your book? Can we find your book online as of now? Um, you can you can primarily order it through Amazon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And go ahead. And, and I'm also working, hopefully, to have my website up and running by this summer. You know, it's kind of been a, uh, I guess you would say, an up and down process, but that's that's in the works. Uh, I'm also working on my second book which is what I call the Chicago Code. It's an African-centered approach to manhood. And basically I've come up with, uh, I guess you would say eight virtues of, of what I think African manhood should be in the 21st century and beyond. Uh, like we had talked about before, everything has to come through an African-centered lens. You know, I don't subscribe to the whole alpha beta male you know, where did that come from? And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, those words are used to describe animals. You see? Very true. So, <laughs> so, so I don't get into that alpha. Yeah, yeah, I don't get into that alpha beta male. Like I said, I think it's usually used more like for wolves. Mm -hmm. You know, so so we need to get off this low vibration animal science. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and certainly there needs to be a redefinition, right, to the extent that we can agree that the current output um, is not serving your interests. Um, thank you for that work. Is that articulated in the book, Gospel of Afronomic Theology, or elsewhere? Um, you know, I, I touch on different aspects of it, you know, and probably when I go into my next book about the Chicago Code, um, I talk about what real manhood is, that manhood is judged not by your consumption, but your production. Sure. Um, there's a there's a tribe in Africa, I think it's called the Sambaru tribe, where a young male, part of his crucible into manhood is to go out and hunt for wild game. He brings that game back home, presents it to his mother and grandmother. Now, 
that's a symbolic gesture, meaning one, mama, you no longer have to feed me because I have the capacity to feed the village. And mm-hmm. then secondly, you will not see me in the kitchen eating from your pot anymore. So that's one aspect of manhood that we need to get straight. It's not about your consumption, but your production for large groups of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. (sighs) Difficult. Um, Again, I'm in the business of helping people to um, perfect their production capacity. And it, it's it's difficult. We it's far easier to just participate and consume than it is to stop and really develop production capacity. Um, mm. I'm in wholehearted agreement, though, that that's that's the direction that we have to move in because otherwise, the conversation about um, group economics is a limited one. We don't right. want have to depend upon anything outside of the community, but we haven't developed yet the capacity to produce all of what our community would need. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> how do we expect that to work? You know, I chuckle because it keeps me sane, you know, um, but it's a, it's a serious issue. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tall ask. Um, you know, especially when, if, if you look back at Malcolm's ballad or the bullet speech, uh, when, when he says we need a gospel of black nationalism, the only thing he said is, look, we need to have total control over the social, political, economic, and cultural aspects of our community. Okay? Yes. If we can just start there, particularly with the culture and the economic components, then the other two will just fall into place. But it's really about gaining control over your culture and your economics. Because, you know, a lot of times we want to focus on politics so much to the expense, not realizing you can't have politics without an economic base and you really can't have both without a strong cultural base. Sure. Yeah, in agreement. (laughs) (laughs) In agreement, in agreement. Gotta fix those pieces, you know, have to. Yeah, and like you said, because we're up against a clock, it's like we're having to do things simultaneously where we can't go in, you know, do one in the next one. Yeah. Yeah, we have the luxury of, oh, well, let's build wealth for several hundred years. Okay, now let's, no. (laughs) Now or never for all of it. and Right. With the compressed timelines, I mean, it's a it's a pressurized scenario. We're already dealing with the the day to day travesty of being black, you know, on top of the trauma we inherited from our from our ancestors. It's just mm. it's tough, but um, I am still hopeful. Definitely not in politics, but just in that we. We can learn what we need to learn and we can make the we can make the necessary changes. And indeed, indeed. Yeah. We're out of time. This has been great. I appreciate the dialogue and definitely appreciate your scholarship. I did find the book on Amazon. Uh, give us a title once more for those that are wanting to find it there online. Okay. The title is 
GOAT. It's the Gospel of Afronomics Theology, a 21st century blueprint for Black economic power. Excellent. I would say find it. Some brilliant concepts there. Um, sometimes um, myself and others may be off put by names, titles, maybe just we don't quite understand all of the things. Um, but I think the book is likely going to be relevant for any person of African descent that picks it up to to uh, to read it. So I certainly, again, I want to thank you for your time and I definitely will welcome you back to the show um, and to some of the other platforms that we have, some of the conferences that we produce. I would love to chat with you further. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I am so excited to welcome Mr. Les Brown. The Federal Reserve said three weeks ago in St. Louis, stunningly, a white high school dropout, an ex-felon, somebody who's been in prison, and a black college graduate, no criminal record, and thousands of dollars in debt. That white high school dropout will create three times more wealth than that black college graduate. And so it, it, it speaks for itself that in order for us to make it, we have to be hungry. The, the racism, the, the things in place, the part of the culture hold us back, it's so pervasive. They've got us going and coming. Some things we're aware of, most of the things we're not. But those people who succeeded, Frederick Douglass said, we won't get everything that we fight for, but everything we get, it will be a fight. You gotta be hungry and 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 find a way to win. There's a mental resolve, a perpetual sense of optimism that some way, somehow, we're gonna be able to figure this thing out and get through and and be able to live a larger life. Wow. Powerful. In wholehearted agreement, even thinking about Black Brand's journey and, and pivoting and oh, hosting content online all year and translating this conference into a digital event, no doubt um, everything that you said rang, rang true. I am noticing that you are sharing a ton of content on social media, following you on LinkedIn, you know, just uh, very much appreciative of your transparency with regard to your journey um, and grateful to see you still at this work of inspiring us all. Thank you so much. I tell you, at 75, I still got the fire. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do. And I get and play hairstyle. I got a Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. Look, I shared with my mother. I said, look, this is Les Brown. <laughs> she said, it's Les Brown. I said, it's Les Brown with the high top. <laughs> she loved it. I love it. I say, you know, do your thing, sir. Well, when you get 75, you can do that. You know, my, my daughter, Serena, she graduated from Hampton. Yeah. And, and, yes. And so... 
they have a great tradition there that I, I believe in very much. And I'm so excited to be a part of this virtual conference and what you're doing. Because now more than ever, we need entrepreneurs. Now more than ever, people need to become aware of the fact that the 4040 plan is gone, where you can go to college, graduate, and expect to get a job and work for 40 years and retire on 40%, which wasn't enough in the first place. That time is gone. And so people need what it is that you brand, how what it is that you bring, how to brand themselves, and finding something that they love, where your heart is there, your treasure is also, that they can do, that they will be in a position to control their own personal economy. Um, super excited. And listen, looking forward to talking next week. Uh, some more great content coming your way. Thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the Black community. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you-